The first round of funding for the Paycheck Protection Program was exhausted in no time flat, and this week we have a second round of more than $300 billion that's also likely to run dry fast. Small businesses are especially vulnerable to COVID-19, and getting the money to survive the pandemic is presenting challenges for banks and other financial institutions. On this week's podcast, we speak with Brian Montell, president of Heartland Bank, about how his community institution in central Ohio worked through the obstacles of PPP and delivered for his small business customers. Actionable insights can help power smart decisions. Each week, the BAI Banking Strategies podcast focuses on important issues facing financial services leaders, as well as the emerging trends that are rapidly reshaping the financial industry. I'm Terry Badger, your host and the managing editor at BAI. Pull up a chair and join us. Congress has reloaded the Federal Paycheck Protection Program with another $300 billion plus for loans to small businesses hurt by the coronavirus shutdowns. In the first round of PPP, $350 billion was gone in a couple of weeks, and this current round may go even faster. To get PPP money, financial institutions have had to move quickly and to innovate in unprecedented ways. One fast-acting bank is Heartland Bank, a community bank based in suburban Columbus, Ohio. And joining us on the podcast to discuss the experience is Heartland's president, Brian Montell. Brian, this is no doubt a pretty chaotic time for you. So special thanks for being with us. It is, but glad to be with you. Thank you. I'm guessing that the PPP, the Paycheck Protection Program loans, were unlike anything you had ever seen before, both in terms of scale and in urgency. There really is no template for something like this. So once you heard about the program and the timeline, what were your first moves? Yeah, thanks for the question. You know, we, like most banks, were watching a lot of the economic data and some of the healthcare trends as we saw move throughout the country. And the first for me, quite frankly, was just to take a pause and say, okay, you're the president of the bank. You know, what is the magnitude of what could be facing us right in front of us? And so what I wanted to do is just you know, draw on any of my experiences. So the first thing was, without, you know, being conscious about it, drew on 08 and 09 when there was a TARP program. And so that was really the the last government program that came at us very quickly. And what I learned from that, I tried to draw on. You know, back then, the TARP program, they wanted all the banks to take it. If you recall, they didn't want some to take and some not. So the spirit of it was, we need you to take it, and we want to set the message out there that there's funds available. So that was the first thing that I did to try to grasp it. And so when we start looking internally, I realized that we need to have a triage mentality. And so by doing that, again, I was challenging myself to kind of gear up for it and, and say, okay, I need to make an assessment, be critical in the decisions and also decisive. So first step is we grabbed some of our leaders together on March 30th. That was on the Monday before the funding occurred. And I personally wanted to ground ground level set uh, what our process was for the SBA. And that was really helpful for me to say, okay, currently our process with SBA is X. Uh, And that was the first step that we did. You mentioned bringing folks together pretty quickly. So how big was the team that you put together for this project? And when you were assembling the team, what sort of skill mix were you looking for? and, And what kind of training did you give them? We grabbed eight people initially. It was myself, our CEO, a chief credit officer, a head of commercial banking, and then some of the folks that have the competencies for SBA. 
And again, that was just the first work group to think about, okay, this is going to be a program. It's going to be 7A. We don't have a lot of guidance. So what are the things we have to start thinking about without guidance to begin our process? And that was the initial phase, which was on the, the 30th. And obviously, as you all know, we had five days to get this created, assessed, built, and up and running. How did you build it? Did you build it from the ground up? Did you build on something that you already had in existence? Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have an SBA process internally uh, that has the capability of you know, pushing through four or five really loan requests a week. And as we, we were looking at the volume here, we made a guess that we might be looking at 350 to 400 applications. And so we took the first step to look external. And we talked with two consultants. Uh, that really served the small, I would say, community bank space. And they were very helpful in guidance that they have an SBA and end process. But what they told us, they wouldn't have that up and running for about eight business days. And so we looked at that and said, wow, that's going to be till next Wednesday if, if the program starts on a Friday. Uh, I reached out to a large consulting firm, one of the internationals, and they actually were working with some of the large banks. And they were going to create an end-to-end -end process too. But their guidance was, this is going to take time. And as you saw, a lot of the large banks did not get up and operating and funded for a couple of days. So after we took that you know, inf information and data, we looked at our team and said, hey, the reality is we can go out there and buy it. It's going to take four or five days. We're going to miss the window. What do you all want to do? And our leaders said, trust us. We can do it. We'll create it. Uh, and that was the quick decision. I said, let's go. And so it was really our folks that said we can do it, and uh, we supported them. And that's really how the decision was made to start building it internally. So you build it. You probably worked around the clock for a while or certainly putting in those long hours. You get your system up. You're good to go. So now it's time to start processing your applications. So no doubt you saw in the news that, that the PPP demand was through the roof, uh, way beyond the amount of money available. So how much in PPP loans did you think you might get? And how did you prioritize your applications? Well, the first approach was to say, okay, what is our priorities of who do we want to serve? And so being a community bank, we wanted to take care of our customers first. And so the first thing we did, knowing that the spirit of the program was to serve small businesses that are going to be in the most dire need, we did look at some of the service industries. So the hotels, the restaurants, uh, and the breweries that we have in our portfolio, we knew we needed to reach out to them and educate them that, hey, this program's coming. We don't have the details, but you may want to start uh, putting and preparing your information the best you can. With that, internally, we really created an eight-step program, you know, from the customer contact all the way through using DocuSign and getting the documents back. Again, we thought we would probably do maybe 300 applications potentially uh, on our balance sheet, we thought we might be putting about $40 million on the books. We ended up doing over 500 completed loans, end-to-end, -end, and over $100 million we funded on our books. Sounds like you got pretty well slammed by that. So now it's game on. You've got your applications flowing in. You've got your team taking the applications through the process. And, uh, you know, I'm sure a lot of your applicants are nervous about the money running out before their turn. So how did that part work? I mean, was it a smooth and efficient process from the start? Or did you maybe have to make some tweaks on the fly uh, to your manual process? Yeah, we made a lot of tweaks. And as you all recall, the government 
you know, did not have a whole lot of guidelines. And, you know, we did appreciate that what they were trying to attempt and, you know, the spirit of getting the money out. Uh, but there wasn't a lot of guidance as far as here's the application. Uh, here is how you're going to validate their payroll. So we actually created our own forms. We created our own application form. We created our own validation from payroll. We also created a third sheet that said, hey, the spirit of this program is you're going to use the money for, to, you know, for your payroll. And we were giving guidance on the forgiveness. So we looked at that. So every time that the government did drip out on more clarification, we had to adjust the model. So we literally had to go back for people that did fill out the applications of our created our own. And there was two pieces of information missing. So we assigned one of our senior leaders to go back to the first 100 applications, and his only job was to pick up those last two pieces of information. And so we created a task force just for that. And so, yeah, that was the piece of, the, of being nimble, that we did the best we could, and then we would shift when we got guidance. The thought was, how much do we think we would be allocated? This might be where we just had a little bit of courage. Uh, I really gave the guidance to our folks to communicate to our borrowers the money's not going to run out. And what we said was, you know, we watched you know, Mnuchin out there, the Treasury Secretary, giving guidance, saying, hey, this is our first effort. But I'm committing that if we need more money, I will do everything to go get it. And, you know, just, again, drawing back on what the spirit of it is from the government, you know, this wasn't the time to question or challenge them or think that they're, we can't trust them. So we try to communicate to all of our customers, we're going to get you through as quickly as we can. We're going to process it, but we really believe there'll be another tranche. So we, we were very fortunate that we got through 95% of our applications. There was a couple stragglers that we didn't get through, but they were first in line for the second tranche. So meanwhile, you know, all this frenzy is going on. How is your PPP team holding up through all this? So it started uh, on the Friday morning, really late night, right? As soon as it clicked, we had our teams running and, and we ran in four hour shifts. So the adrenaline and the, the feeling of being part of a team and getting and doing something was the energy level was amazing. So outside of ordering, you know, a lot of pizzas and a lot of cookies overnight to the team, it got to about Saturday night, which is really day two, uh, that you really started seeing the fatigue. So a couple of other leaders in our company, you know, an individual who runs uh, our public funds, who runs our ag, they raised their hand. They said, put me in, coach. Where can I play? So they weren't initially part of kind of our, I would say, our work stream or our work group. And so they basically said to the head of commercial, hey, you stand down. I've got this. So we started to replace both senior leaders as well as people to data input. And for the next five days, we really created a rotation where people were on for eight hours and then they were off. And we ran 24 hours as long as we could. Wow, that's quite a story. Brian, you know, in a way, you could look at the first round of PPP as sort of a, a beta test for how to distribute government aid as we get through this pandemic. So if you were heading back to the lab, what sort of tinkering would you be doing with your system right now? The first was the E-TRAN entry. So part of the SBA, you have the data input. We only had one E-TRAN user. And so we, our whole funnel was relying on one person data inputting. And so fortunately, we have gone back and, and the SBA has been supportive and helped get more banks, but we now have four, four inputs. With that being said is we're still trying to figure out a more automated process. You know, we have, you know, a few hundred, maybe 250 right now lined up for tranche two. But as of now, we still have the data input everyone and hit send. 
So we're still trying to evaluate, and we don't have it perfect yet, is what would it look like if we could fill all the applications in now, hit send once, and then they would all go. So, you know, we're, we're pretty confident the, the large trillionaire banks are going to have a, a, a really good process. Uh, but fortunately, there's some money allocated for the community banks. And I think we've proven that we can deploy the funds. So that would be lesson one, making sure we could input it. And we still have lessons to learn to figure out how to automate that last piece. What I would switch, though, is saying what I think we did right, though, is we trusted. You know, we trusted what the Treasury Secretary was doing. You know, we trusted the spirit. I know there's a lot of banks that limited how much they were going to fund and said, hey, we're only going to put this much on our balance sheet. We actually decided that as long as it's a customer and select prospects that we already had a small relationship with, we were going to do the right thing and process it for them. And, you know, with that, I'm very proud of our team and the support of our board because that was the approach we took. You know, separate from the the explicit or the direct lessons that you're learning from the PPP experience, what other lessons maybe did Heartland learn from this that will help you and your bank move forward, say, in the new post uh, the new normal post-COVID-19 world? Over the last four years, we've been very fortunate that we've been growing, you know, Heartland Bank in central Ohio at double-digit pace. You know, we're in, we're in a good economy, and we've been able to grow and scale. So we really have about 23, 24 people in our senior leadership team. You know, we've been promoting people and developing that group. So the lesson learned is these people are amazing. They do not need our CEO or myself to be engaging as often as we think they do. And being able to give them the confidence that they're empowered and they're trusted to make their decisions, that it doesn't have to be perfect, they'll make mistakes along the way, uh, is the lesson that I think we can do that a lot quicker than we have in the past. You know, we're growing up as a company and we have the right people. And this has been a great test for us to give guidance, but allow them to run it the way they need to and make the decision. And for us to continue to grow and double the size of our company, that lesson couldn't have come at a better time. So, Brian, we're having this conversation on April 23rd, and uh, we expect the second round of PPP, that $300 billion that I talked about earlier, that's going to start soon. And the industry consensus is that all that money is already spoken for, given the number of applications already in the queue. So are you readying yourself for a third round of funding by continuing to process new applications? And if so, uh, how do you expect your process will evolve in the coming weeks? Yeah, we do not expect necessarily that the third round is going to piggyback right on top of round two. I got to believe that they're going to give it just a little bit of time. I think they might go a little bit more selectively for industries as they did with the airline industry. They very well may be doing something for the hotels and things in the restaurant business. Uh, but we feel that round two will be able to, to service the rest of our clients. The one thing to remember is that it took a week for any sole proprietor or independent contractor to be eligible. So that wasn't until the 10th of April. So you saw a lot of the really, really small companies, the money was run out by then and they actually weren't uh, eligible. So that's just the one error that I think the SBA made or the government made that they didn't give them first look as well. So we are very confident that we're going to get through our customers and no, we have really held off. We're not going to go take uh, any extra capacity to go find prospects. We really now got a level set and take care of our own associates. And even if there's some more business out there, this isn't the time to go out there and try to seek it. We, we need to give our folks a rest uh, in case third round comes 30, 45 days down the path.
This is a really impressive story of how a financial institution can muster the energy and the ingenuity and the commitment to rise to the occasion during a difficult time. It's a mentality of see the problem, solve the problem. So Brian Montell, president of Heartland Bank in Central Ohio, thanks again for being with us on the podcast. It's been my pleasure. Thank you very much. Three takeaways from today's podcast with guest Brian Montell. The first thing to note about the team at Heartland Bank is that they didn't wait around for someone else to solve their problems. They tried to get ready for the Paycheck Protection Program by buying a plug-and-play system to process the loans. But when it became clear that wasn't going to happen in time, they set to work developing their own manual system. With little federal guidance, they made some best guesses and then fine-tuned their system as needed. This get-it-done mentality paid off for Heartland, and especially for its customers, given how quickly the first round of PPP money was allocated. And about those customers. Trying to help them stay afloat through the coronavirus shutdowns were driving Heartland's efforts and innovation. Moving fast proved to be smart, first by reaching out early to vulnerable businesses to try to get them into the loan pipeline, and then by developing their own processing system. Heartland ended up blowing through its original target of 40 million in PPP loans, By the time the last application was processed, loan requests were around 100 million. Community banking is all about relationships, and Heartland held up its end of the relationship in how it handled PPP. And finally, the focus on getting it done required Heartland's management to trust their team to succeed in putting together a workable process on the fly and under the gun. Built into that trust was an explicit challenge to the team that their technical skill was up to the job, and the team rose to the occasion. It was a chance to learn and to stretch, and then of course there's the thrill when a plan comes together. They were tested by PPP and they passed. That's a huge confidence boost for when they face their next big challenge. Thanks again for joining us for the BAI Banking Strategies Podcast. I'm Terry Badger, Managing Editor at BAI, and until next time, we hope you're staying healthy and safe.